Amen. Please be seated. If you have a Bible, you can open to John's Gospel. We'll look at the end of chapter 2, so verses 23 through 25. The text is also printed in the bulletin for you on the next page. John 2, and there are some Bibles available on the back uh, table by the children's supplies if you need one of those. Um, I know that... uh, I've heard reports from several of the ladies who uh, were on the away last weekend on the women's retreat. Uh, I know that you had a good time. I've heard that um, th- the very basic report from actually several of you that you felt that the, the women's retreat was maybe surprisingly even a safe place to be yourself. That's kind of what it boils down to. It was a safe place to be yourself because of the honesty that was part of the atmosphere, right? Um, it can be startling, it can be refreshing when Christians open their lives up to each other, when we stop acting like we've got everything together, pretending that that's what it means to uh, be a Christian, to be part of the church, is to put on a really good show for everybody, um, pretend like we've got it all together. When we stop doing that and become vulnerable with each other, it can be uh, kind of surprising, but usually refreshing, right, and, and, um, and helpful and comforting to us. So if you've experienced something like that, whether it was on the women's retreat last week or just a part of the general atmosphere of the church here or whatever, um, if you've experienced that among members of our church, if you felt that this is a safe place to be honest, to just be yourself, um, to be honest about yourself, let me tell you where that comes from. It is a direct effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a direct effect of the gospel. Knowing that Jesus is trustworthy makes us feel safe with him. Uh, We're truly safe with him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you're safe with Jesus because he is trustworthy. Right? And so trusting Jesus is, uh, it has an effect on the community of his followers. It has an effect on people in the church. Trusting Jesus is what frees us to open our lives up to each other uh, without shame, without fear of rejection. Trusting Jesus allows us to cultivate relationships in the church where we empathize with one another rather than uh, condemning each other. Trusting Jesus enables us actually to love each other even if we aren't exactly the most trustworthy bunch of people. Trusting Jesus, not necessarily trusting us, right? That's what we're going to talk about this morning is trust. Trust in Christ and how that shapes our community. So... Let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, we do need your help this morning, as always. When we come to your word, we pray that you would help us to receive it, uh, to sit under it, and not to sit over it as judges, but to to receive uh, the revelation about who you are. And what you've done for us in Christ to receive the revelation about ourselves that you make in your word. To know that that we have a relationship with you as a gift of your grace and everything that that means for us. Would you help us to understand these things and uh, to be okay with them? And and even more than okay, uh, to truly delight in your revelation this morning as we uh, consider your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. 
But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Praise be to you, O Christ. So it's a brief passage. It's kind of a transitional passage from uh, what happened before with the temple cleansing incident and what happens next with uh, Nicodemus coming to meet Jesus in the night. Uh, It's transitional, it's brief, and what it's saying is actually very clear. It doesn't take much explanation, right? Some people were beginning to trust Jesus, but that wasn't mutual. Some people were beginning to trust Jesus. They were starting to. They were seeing the signs that he was doing which in the scriptures, in the Gospels, and in the New Testament, that's just the beginning of faith in Jesus, to, to be impressed by the miraculous things that he can do. They're beginning to trust Jesus, but that's not reciprocated. That's not mutual. Right? Um, in the original language, the, the same word is being used there, even though probably most of our translations translate them differently. Um, In verse 23, many believed in his name, it says. Many believed in his name or believed into his name, which is a kind of strange way of talking in English, so we don't usually talk that way. But uh, maybe you can get some of the the idea of the personal relational component of faith. Many were believing into, leaning into, trusting Jesus. But, uh, But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust, same Greek word as belief, He did not entrust himself to them. So Jesus uh, knows people too well for that. He knows people too well for that. He isn't cynical. He isn't cynical about human nature. He's not paranoid. He's not over-suspicious or anything about human nature. He doesn't trust people because he actually knows them, because he knows what's inside of them. It says that twice in our short passage. He doesn't trust people because he knows what's inside of them. This isn't the same kind of knowledge that you might have or that I might have of people in general, like we know people in general because we really know ourselves, right? We know ourselves, we know ourselves to be representative of of other people, we know what people are like because we know ourselves in general. It's not that same kind of knowledge. That's not what he's talking about here. This is actually divine knowledge. It's divine knowledge about what is inside of people, which Jesus has because he's divine, because he's God. Uh, It says in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the Lord, talking about God, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, so on the face of things. But the Lord looks on the heart. So we can only see what people present to us. When we look at each other in our relationships, uh, when you look at another human being, you can only see what they present to you. Maybe sometimes they present to you something that's, that's more commensurate with what's going on inside of them than usual. But we can only see and relate to each other on that level, on the face of it. Right? But... He sees past all the externals. He sees into the hidden heart of each and every one of us. Jesus does, because he's God. Um, it says in Hebrews 4 that the word of God, which is what, what the gospel writer, John, uh, has already said, Jesus is the word of God. 
the writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is living and active, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and no creature is hidden from his sight. And what is it that he sees when he looks? Because he knows us. He's not just speculating. He's not just making a really educated guess. He knows us. He sees inside of our hearts. He sees the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. What is it that he sees when he looks? Um, Prepare yourself. (laughs) This is the hard word. Um, Genesis 6 uses a lot of the same language. Uh, Genesis 6, verse 5, and this is printed on the front cover of the bulletin as one of the quotes there, that the Lord saw that, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's what he sees when he looks inside man. He knows what's in man, and this is what he sees, that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Jesus talks about this kind of thing all the time. He says, uh, you got to get past the externals with people. you got to find out what's going on inside of their hearts. That's what really needs to be addressed. He says that from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, Jesus says. And he knows that because he's seen, because he's God. And that's why he doesn't trust us. He doesn't entrust himself to us. And let's just give a little definition to the word trust, because I think that's something that uh, we could have some confusion on. Trust, very simply, is to confidently depend upon another for your good. To confidently depend upon another for your good. That's what it means to trust. We may confidently depend upon Jesus for our good, but he does not confidently depend upon us for his good. Apparently, relationships don't exactly require mutual trust. Apparently, to have a real relationship, because that's what Jesus came to offer, is a real relationship with us, one of love. Apparently, it it doesn't require mutual trust. Jesus doesn't just look at us. He doesn't come into the world and knowing us and seeing us and perceiving what's inside every single one of us. He doesn't just throw up his hands and say, nope, untrustworthy. I can't be in relationship with them. I'm out of here. He doesn't do that. If he were going to do that, he wouldn't have come in the first place. He came to bring us relationship with God. He doesn't trust us, but he loves us. There is a difference between those things. He doesn't trust us, but he loves us. He didn't need to depend upon us for his good. He actually confidently depended upon his father for his good. His trust was in his father. His trust was in his relationship with God. He didn't need to trust us in order to love us, in order to give his life for us, in order to live for our good. He didn't need to trust us. To have a relationship with us, he didn't need to trust us. 
you do need to trust him to confidently depend upon him for your good. You have to trust him. But if you go by his own example, you would be wise not to trust others. There's a whole lot of things that could be said about our relationships and trust. I'm not going to say it all, but... If you're going to go by Jesus' example, you would be wise not to trust others, not ultimately, anyway, for your own good. Right? You are called to trust Jesus. You're called to believe in Jesus, not to trust and believe in others. You're called to love others, but that's not the same thing as trusting them. And you don't necessarily need to trust them in order to love them. There's no language in the Bible like rely upon one another. Depend confidently upon one another for your good. Place your confidence in each other. Trust and believe in each other. There's no language in the Bible like that. In fact, quite the opposite. In several places, we're, we're admonished not to put our trust in men. We're exhorted. Like in Jeremiah His prophecy, chapter 17, thus says the Lord. So pay attention. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. So it's not going to go well for you if you put your trust in people. But, Jeremiah continues, this is the word of the Lord, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, when things get hard. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart, Jeremiah continues, the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. God understands it. God understands what's going on inside of us. We don't understand what's going on inside of ourselves, let alone other people, in order to put our trust in people. God tells us, cursed are you if you do trust in other people. Blessed are you if you trust in the Lord. So again, God knows what's in our hearts. And he's explained it clearly. He's set it down in his word. He knows what's in his hearts, and he says, he knows what's in our hearts, and says that that sinners are not trustworthy. Don't depend on them for your good, not for your ultimate good. We wish we could. It's kind of a bleak, scary proposal to think about living in this world without trusting one another. We wish we could. Especially, we wish we could, we could trust those with a lot of power over us. A lot of power to do us good or to do us harm, right? We wish we could put our trust in, for example, our political leaders. We really wish we could trust them. <clears throat> Psalm 118 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. In princes, that's political leaders. Right? And there's a contrast here. Apparently, you can't do both things. 
trust in the Lord, and trust in your political leaders. So don't invest too much hope in them. Right? Don't get caught up in it. Don't, um, depending on the results of the election, some of us are going to be tempted to great delight and some of us will be tempted to great despair. Don't. Don't put your hope in those things, in, the, in these people. Don't put your trust, it says in Psalm 146, put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there's no salvation. Right? We can't trust others, but we can trust Jesus Christ because we know his heart. We actually do know his heart. It is recorded for us in the the holy word of God, the scriptures, the revelation of God, and we can trust what's in his heart because we have his own spirit. We have his own spirit in us. We have Christ himself in us, so we can place our trust in him. We can know what he is like and confidently depend upon him for our good. <clears throat> we wish that we could be trustworthy. Let alone, you know, depending on others, being in relationship with people or having political leaders that, that are trustworthy. Just put that aside. I wish I could be trustworthy. I wish that. I wish I could be known as trustworthy. I might be predictable, but that's not the same thing. I might be predictable. I'm not trustworthy. You might think I'm exaggerating. You're the pastor. Aren't we supposed to come and confide in you? And I'm not trustworthy. I'm, a lot of us uh, have made wedding vows or vows of church membership that we've broken in our hearts if we haven't broken with our actions. Just for one example. And God knows that, even if we don't know it about ourselves. And he's told us that. Right? I'm not safe. I'm just like everyone else. I'm a betrayer. Right? That's what's going on inside of me, in and of myself. Is that I'm a betrayer. The gospel isn't about how untrustworthy people can become really trustworthy people. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel proclaims that even though you're untrustworthy, even though you're a betrayer of trust, Jesus Christ loved you and gave his life for you, and even you can be safe in a relationship with him. <clears throat> this is exactly what we remember every week when we come to the table. Joe Pope loves to point this out. It's the great relational moment, communion, right? This sacrament, the Lord's table, the Eucharist, it is the great relational moment between God and his people. It's the assurance of his faithful love. It's the promises of the new world, life together with him and with each other. And the words of institution begin how? The night Jesus was betrayed. The night Jesus was betrayed. That phrase describes us. That phrase describes our part in the relationship. This is what we are like. That's what kind of people we are. And the table shows what kind of person Jesus is. That he would give his body and his blood for betrayers. People like us. So if you're going to feel safe in this church, in fact, if you're going to feel safe anywhere in this world, safe in a relationship of trust where you can confidently depend upon another 
for your good. If you're going to feel safe, your only option is to trust Jesus and feel safe because of him, because of him in spite of everybody else, in, in spite of ourselves. You can feel safe because you trust in Jesus, safe because of him. And if you're really safe with Jesus, if you trust him, if you confidently depend upon him for your good, knowing that he knows who you really are and that he loves you anyway, this sets us free to act out of this confidence with each other. We can actually be confident in our interactions with each other because of our confidence in Christ, not because of our confidence in each other. You don't have to hide yourself from Jesus, so you don't have to hide yourself from each other in Christ. If you trust Christ, you don't need to fear shame, being put to shame. If If you trust Christ, you don't need to fear being rejected by anyone. That's not to say they won't try to make you feel ashamed or that they won't reject you and walk away from you. But you don't need to fear that. It's, it's to say that truly your shame has been taken away from you by Jesus. There is no condemnation for you. And he has guaranteed your acceptance by God through his blood. He will never reject you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll never walk away from you. If he is for us, then Paul says in Romans 8, who can be against us? Even if the whole world's against us, what does that matter? If he is for us and we're secure in our relationship with him, then really nothing else can threaten us. What can others do to us? Um, I think we we had a couple examples uh, of this at our last presbytery meeting. Um, One good example was that one fellow got up and spilled his guts all over the place uh, and, and said things that a lot of us would have a really hard time saying to anybody else, let alone to a group of 50 other guys, 50 other elders and pastors, right? It's like people don't usually feel safe confessing their sins, their weaknesses, their failures, their struggles. People don't feel safe doing that, even in a small group or a one-on-one setting. But this guy got up and said all this stuff in front of us not fearing that he would be rejected, uh, not because he found that this was a safe place for him to do so, but but I think because he's safe in Jesus Christ. Because of his trust in Jesus Christ, he was able to say things that on a human level are not safe to say. Like somebody who heard him is probably thinking, that guy shouldn't be a pastor. That guy should lose his job. That whole thing's going to crumble underneath him. Right. Somebody's thinking that. And in a lot of cases, like if we say things like that, you are going to lose your job and people are going to walk away from you. People you care about, they're going to they're going to walk away from you. You're risking a lot to to say things a lot of times when your safety is not found in this group, but it's found in Jesus Christ. You can say those things. Alternatively, um, there was a pastor who wasn't there at all, who expressly does not feel safe around us because he's afraid that if he shares his thoughts, his theological positions, his struggles, if he shares those things with us, he's afraid he's going to lose his job. 
And so he didn't come up. He was isolated. He isolated himself out of fear. And I think that's because he didn't trust Christ. It's not that we're a safe place or not a safe place. It's that he, he didn't find enough security in Christ to take the risk with his brothers. So you can confess your sins and you can confess your weaknesses to each other, not because we're safe, because Jesus is safe, because he is safe and we're in him. And, and you can truly love others. You can truly love others without trusting them. Jesus does it all the time with every single one of us. He loves us without trusting us. That's what the text says. You don't have to confidently depend on someone for your good in order to do good to them, in order to love them, to lay down your life for them. Open yourself up to them. You don't have to, you don't have to know that that's going to be reciprocated perfectly. And that's how it's possible for us even to love our enemies, which is... The, the outrageous thing that Jesus calls us to, that no other religious leader calls people to, is we actually have the resources to love our enemies because God loved us while we were his enemies. You can trust Jesus and you can love each other in his name, even if in and of ourselves we can't trust each other. Not ultimately. So... Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has a great book that I know a lot of you have read or I've gone on about it enough till you're sick of it, but uh, Life Together by Bonhoeffer. The first chapter of that is something that everybody should read. Um, and he says this. These are some quotes that are printed at the beginning of the bulletin again. Uh, Christianity means community through Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ. Within the spiritual community, so that's the church, this place, there is never, nor in any way, any immediate relationship of one to another. Jesus Christ stands between the lover and the others he loves. Jesus Christ is the mediator, not just between us and God, a great mediator for our salvation, for our relationship with God. He's a mediator between us and each other. We approach each other in Christ and through Christ. That's how we can live together. That's how we can live for each other. Right. And so practically this means um, if we're going to be honest with each other and, and, and transparent and vulnerable and open our lives to each other and live confidently in relationships with each other in the church and create atmospheres like was created at the women's retreat where people felt safe to let their guard down and say the, the way they really felt about things, if we're going to be that kind of a place, it's because we actually trust Christ enough to take the risk to do it. Because when I look at you, all I see is risk. And you should feel the same way about me. But with Christ, there is no risk. Um, those who trust in the Lord, Psalm 125 says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved but abides forever. And that's, a, that's a, a collective statement. That's not just you as an individual. If you trust in God, you're going to be solid. It's those collectively who trust in the Lord, like the temple, Mount Zion. 
which cannot be moved but abides forever. We are collectively knit together tightly through our common trust in Christ. Not through shared affinities, not through any merely human connection. So please don't, I'm not going to condemn you for it, but don't tell me that you have nothing in common with these people here. And don't, don't use that as an excuse to walk away from this church. Don't tell me that you have nothing in common with these people here unless you think that having Jesus in common means nothing. Together, you trust the only one who can be trusted. That is remarkable. Together, we trust the only one who can be trusted. Any other dissimilarity is nothing compared to our unity in him and our unity with him. If nothing can separate us from his love, then nothing should be able to separate us from each other either. So put your trust in Jesus and be free to live together in love. Amen. Let's pray. Father, these are some hard words about us that we've had to receive, the kind of people that we are like because you, you perceive what we are really like and you tell us. Um, if we're going to have any hope in this world, it'll be hope in Jesus Christ. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us to turn our eyes to Christ and see how beautiful and good and trustworthy and true he is for our salvation, for our relationship with you, and for our relationship with each other in the church. We pray that you would knit us together more and more around our shared trust in Jesus, that you would not let other things interrupt that relationship that we have uh, with you through Christ together. We pray that you would make this real to us. Our, our faith and our trust, our confident dependence in Christ for our good, we pray that you would make that real to us in ways that would enable us to step out in what appear to be risks, relational risks, with each other and with others, to speak the truth in love with one another, to lay our lives down for the good of other people even though uh, we cannot trust each other ultimately or, um, or rely upon each other for our good, in the long run, we, we can rely on you. And we want that to be the source of all of our action. And we pray and we think it should be the, uh, the source of our love for one another in Christ. So we pray that you would do that work in our congregation. And it's a work that really only you can do. So we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen.